0: Okay, welcome, everybody. Let's come back to our bodhicitta motivation. And be in harmony in terms of our motivation. All of us seeking Buddhahood with the wish to be of greatest benefit to all beings. So yesterday was Posada Day. The Sangha did the Posada, and our, where we uh, confess and renew our precepts. And when we begin the Posada ceremony, the uh, somebody asks, "Is the Sangha in harmony?" Okay. So, uh, because in order to recite the Moksha together, we have to be in harmony so their harmony means that we uh share the same precepts we all respect the buddha dharma sangha we all respect the precepts yeah and it also means so we it's uh, our, in harmony in our attitude but also in harmony in our motivation that all of us want to uh confess and purify our negativities uh, which we've done before that question is asked. And so there's a uh, a feeling of trust in everybody being harmonious and going ahead and keeping the precepts together. Yeah, so disharmony would be, well, I think so-and-so broke a precept and she's not confessing, and I'm mad at this one and I don't want to even sit in the same room with her. And, you know, this guy's a jerk, what's he doing in here? So, uh, you know, either disharmony interpersonally or disharmony because we don't share the the same motivation for doing the posada together. So here, you know, we're studying a, a text by Shantideva, a Mahayana text, And so we definitely want to have a Mahayana motivation of bodhicitta. So how do we make ourselves a harmonious group in terms of sharing these teachings today? It's uh, by generating the bodhicitta so that we're all on the same page with the same motivation. Okay? yeah, And somebody's not hanging out in a corner saying, well, I really don't care about all sentient beings, you know, I just want to get liberated myself. No, Nobody's hanging out doing that, and nobody's kind of uh, looking around and saying, well, I have bodhicitta for all sentient beings except this dimwit, you know, who got the carrots wrong. Um, Yeah, (laughs) because if we leave one sentient being out of our bodhicitta— we're out of our compassion, I should say, then it's impossible to uh, have bodhicitta, because bodhicitta has to be for all sentient beings. And without bodhicitta, there's no way we can get fully a- awakened. Okay? So, you know, as a group, we want to be harmonious in our own hearts towards everybody else, and then share the, uh, the same motivation and be in harmony that way. Yeah. And hopefully be kind to each other too. you remember in uh, uh, lots of times in the uh, EML, I'll talk about the six harmonies that are taught in the Vinaya. Yeah. So uh, those are quite, quite important. And they're, if we really exert ourselves to, to be in harmony, um, it has a very uh, powerful effect on us individually and as a group and on all the people who come here or engage with us. Yeah. Okay, so I know I left off around verse 32, 33. But I'm doing something that I never thought I would do, which is uh, review the verses on the (laughs) Sankhya.
1: Because
0: the first time I heard this text, Angeshi's opa was... uh, explaining, you know, this part with the sankyas and the primal substance and the permanent self It was like, what in the world? It's like, why do I have to understand this to, you know, it just didn't make any sense. But, since Geshe Tavke talked about these things last week, yeah, then we're all getting familiar a little bit, you know? We It's understanding the whole Samkhya doctrine is, is quite difficult and that's, I don't think it's so necessary. But there's a few important points to emphasize here. So first is I find it quite interesting that um, whenever the uh, the Indian sages get a chance, to review, refute, uh, refute the uh, assertions of the non-Buddhists. They will take that chance, okay? Not because they don't like the non-Buddhists or and they want to put them down, but because we ourselves uh, very often have similar kinds of ideas. And as long as we hold these kind of ideas, it impedes our understanding of, uh, emptiness. Okay. So here, um, you know, starting, uh, well, I think it's, it's also interesting. The, the verses before verse 27, you know, talking about how conditions, uh, Assemble together and they have no intention to produce anything. And neither does their product have their intention to be produced. And that's so that this is before we go into the Sankhya's. But I find that quite powerful because in our daily lives, we always assume that there is uh, some kind of inherently existent person who has an inherently existent motivation that we conveniently can mind-read and know exactly what it is, and it's a bad one towards us, therefore our being mad at them is justified. Okay, so you see the whole progression here. Um, that, That we begin to say, well, no, that's not the way it is. Yeah, that the person who harmed me Yeah, is influenced by conditions. Yeah, and the conditions are not the person. Yeah, so let's not blame the person because they were under the power of the conditions. The conditions, uh, mainly being uh, their own afflictions. Yeah. And those afflictions didn't have any intention to harm me. Yeah, the afflictions are just mental factors. Yeah, because do you see how we see the mind and the person differently? Yeah, the person has the motivation. Oh, I'm going to insult that person. But the mental factors that comprise the mental states we have, they're just impersonal mental factors. They themselves are not thinking, oh, I want to harm. Yeah, they're just doing what mental factors do. You know, intention has an intention. Anger, you know, is uh, is wanting to strike or or flee. But they don't have, you know... This thing of looking at some... Anger doesn't look at somebody, you know, and say, Oh, I don't like them, you know, I'm going to clobber them. Okay. Anger just, you know, fight, flight. Yeah, feeling of disgust. So, oh, are, are you getting what I mean? Yeah? it's It, it looks hard because we think our, our mental states are people. Okay? A person is what is designated independence on the aggregates. So it is not the aggregates. So none of the aggregates, none of the mental states, none of the mental factors are persons. They're the basis of designation of the person, but they're not the person. Okay, so when there's the the thought, you know, um, like, I don't like this, I'm mad, yeah, who's the I? Is there an I that's actually thinking that? Or is there just a mental state comprised of a primary mind and a lot of mental factors that... Are sharing they share five things in common, and that's what there is. Okay, but then we, you know, the mental state's just doing what it's doing. We impute I on it, and then we get them very confused. It's for example when when our body is walking, we say I'm walking. Yeah, but what it is. Is there a separate eye that's actually walking? No, it's the body that's walking. Yeah, and the body isn't the person, it's the basis of designation of the person. So it can be kind of interesting for us to create a little bit of space sometimes. Yeah and say, okay, we we designate I based on the aggregates, but the aggregates are not the I. They are not the person. So there's the body is not sitting there, so, or standing there, thinking, I'm going to walk, is it? The body just walks. It doesn't think, I'm going to walk. Okay? So similarly, anger doesn't think, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. It's just anger. You look quite puzzled. Think about it a little bit, okay? Are you your anger? Is anger a person? Well, you're acting like anger is a person. Is anger a person? Does anger have the intention to say harsh words? Anger all by itself, does it have the intention to say harsh words? Some people are saying no, and some people are saying yes. When you are mad at somebody, you said, he called me a jerk. You don't say his anger called me a jerk. Did his anger call you a jerk all by itself? His anger? No, okay. There was anger, there was intention, there was inappropriate intention, attention, there were past habits, there was the seed of anger. You have a whole bunch of conditions coming together. Yeah. And independence on that, we say, oh, I, you know, he called me a jerk. But none of those conditions individually. By themselves, called you a jerk. Okay. So you kind of got to think about this. The, the mental factors, the body and the mind, are impersonal phenomena. This really gives us the jitters. Okay. We, cause we think our, you know, we're quite attached to our body and mind. And to think that they aren't a person, then who in the world am I? If it's not my body and mind. And if I, this inherently existent, independent, I who's, who's in control is not in control because all these mental factors and previous conditions and previous causes are pushing it. Yeah? Do you think when when you intend to do something that this is a completely new uh, event in your mind, that there's a real you who's thinking it? We f- it feels this way, doesn't it? It's like... I'm going to move my hand. Look, there's a real me, independent me that can control this and say, move. And the body follows instructions. Move. <laughs> okay. Now, is there an independent eye that's controlling this body and saying, move? If so, what is it? Find that independent eye. Tell me what it is. Does your body by itself say move? Does your body have the intention to move? Your body's a bunch of vegetable goo. Okay, that's all this thing is. It's vegetable goo. By itself, does it have the intention to move? It can't. Okay. Similarly, you know, if you have a just a mental factor, and remember a mental factor isn't even a whole mental state. Yeah, can it make the whole thing happen? Is that one mental factor a person? Are are is your mind who you are? Now, of course, when I say we're meditating on emptiness, Are you your body? Are you inherently one and identical with your mind? You automatically say no. But when the question's asked this way, you say, yeah, yeah, I'm my mind. Yeah. When my mind has the intention to do something, that mind is a real inherently existent me, independent of all factors, all other things. Okay, if the I existed independent of all other things, it d- would not exist independence on the mind. Okay, but you, are you getting how we hang on to this independent I as much as we possibly can? Yeah. Anyway, okay, these conditions that assemble together have no intention to produce anything. So what are the conditions? Your body, your mind, mental factors, all these things, none of them are saying, I'm going to insult somebody. But together, with all of them contributing... Yeah, words come out of our mouth, and that depends also on the body. But there's no I in control making all of that happen. Okay. So we like to think we're in control. Yeah. There's an independent me, and I will make all my own decisions. So leave me alone. Okay? I don't need anybody else. I'm independent. I think for myself. I do what I want. And we really believe there's that kind of person in there. We feel it, don't we? Yeah? And we say, it exists because I feel it. Yeah? Does everything we feel exist? (laughs) Yeah. If there were an independent person like that, then it could not be influenced by the anger in our mind. Because the mind would be independent of the I. The I and the mind would be independent. So then the mind could have a lot of emotions, but I wouldn't have them. (laughs) Yeah, because they're independent. Anyway, okay, think about it. So here, starting verse 27, okay, here's the samkhya. So the primal substance is some kind of amorphous, independent, permanent substance out of which everything except the self arises. Okay. Now, when we hear that they have 25 different categories and some kills, and it all sounds a bit nutty. We don't understand it. But you read some uh, New Age newspaper, and you're going to find some view about, you know, we're all. Coming out of the same substance. So we're all one at the end and we, everything in the universe, human beings, you know, rhinoceri, rhinoceroses, everything comes out of this substance and dissolves into it. It sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds really good. Except if you start examining it, it doesn't make much sense. Okay. So, you know, it's the same kind of thing here. And and also, similar uh, with the self that the Samkhya's, uh, you know, talk about. They say there's a, uh, a permanent self. And we often feel that way, don't we? Yeah, there's a permanent me. Here I am. You know, at the time of death, my body goes away, my mind goes away, but my soul is still here. And nothing can destroy my soul. And that's the essence of me. Yeah? Do you have that feeling somewhere? We were taught it, many of us as children. Actually, that view of an independent self is an artificial view. It's not even an innate one. It's one that human beings made up in in a philosophy. And it's very comforting to think that there's this permanent me that nothing can destroy. Come hell or high water, I exist. Okay? Yeah, very comforting, you know? And and there's a permanent God that, that controls everything. Yeah, so, oh, I can relax. God's in control. I don't understand what's going on. I can't control anything. God, There's a plan. God knows it. Okay. So that all, it can be very comforting emotionally. But as His Holiness constantly reminds us, We're trying to practice based on logic and reasoning. And as soon as we examine those notions, we find a lot of holes in the reasoning, you know, such that those things can't exist. Okay, so that's the basic point of all these um, verses, you know, about the Samkhya's, because what it's, it's really getting at, is there's no permanent person. yeah. But that doesn't mean that there's no person whatsoever. There's a person, but it doesn't exist as a permanent, monolithic, independent thing. It doesn't exist as a self-sufficient, substantially existent thing. It doesn't exist inherently. Okay. It exists by mere designation. Okay. So they often say the the self as well as the building, all phenomena are mere names. It doesn't mean that they're sounds. <laughs> it doesn't mean literally that they're sounds and names. It means they you know that they exist in dependence on the conceptual mind that gives them a name. And that's the only way they exist. And as much as we search in, you know, that basis of designation, we cannot find anything that is that object. Yeah. Even though we feel, we feel it. Like, there's something here that's really a table. Don't you think? And something here that's really a microphone. looks that like. Because any person walking in the room would know, this is a table and this is a microphone. Yeah? So there must be something in it, yeah, that can be identified as being that object. So what inside of this is a microphone? This little bubble at the top, the neck, whatever wires there are inside. What is the microphone? What is the table? Is it the wood or the nails or the top or the bottom? Okay? So what we get at is that things exist to dependent on other phenomena. And we say those words, but inside our mind, there is a brick wall saying, no way. (laughs) I am here, I exist. And I'm not just something designated on a bunch of vegetable goo and a bunch of amorphous mental factors and primary minds. Yeah. There's in there real me. And I've got to defend that me. Yeah, because there's me and there's other. This is exactly what Gessie Topgay said last week, isn't there? There's me and there's other. So if you got to choose who's most important, you know who wins. Me! And then it, we, there's this whole huge world, and we look at it through this tiny periscope of me and how it affects me. And everything has value in terms of how it affects me. Not in terms of how it affects any other living being, unless it's somebody else I'm attached to. Then it you know, kind of has some value. But the real thing is how it affects me. Okay. And then we live the rest of our life trying to surround ourselves with what we want and push away everything we don't like. And that's the summation of our life. Grab and push. Grab and push. Yeah? And that's what a samsaric life in the desire realm is all about. Okay? Do you want to live your life like that? Yeah? Does that worldview make any sense to you when you really think about it? that I'm more important than anybody else? I mean, why? Why Why am I more important? The only reason is because I'm me. (laughs) What kind of reason is that? It's like, you do this, why? Because I said so. You know, what kind of reason is that? And yet, our ignorance just functions in that way, and that's how we go about our lives. It's really quite sad. Yeah? So when we can look at other sentient beings and see them as controlled by that ignorant mind that thinks in this way, and because they're... Controlled by their ignorance and thus their attachment and their anger. As a person, they are not in control. They're being pushed by their afflictions, by their previous habits. Then why should we be angry at them? They're not, there are not independent people in control. They are controlled by their afflictions. Okay, and we are too. And we have some virtuous minds mixed in there. So sometimes we're controlled by them too. That's nice, isn't there? Isn't it? You know? And, it's, and so much of it depends on habit. what we have uh, strengthened in uh, not only this life but previous lives, whatever habits we have strengthened, then, you know, we are creatures of habit. And those things come to the forefront. And that's why, you know, when babies are born, every baby has a personality already. Yeah? Even they come out of the womb, they are not blank slates. They do not all act alike. Ask any parent. Yeah? Oh, there's one. (laughs) The only one in the room. Yeah. Unless somebody's hiding out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did did your daughter come out with a personality or as a blank slate?
1: She definitely had a personality, and her cousins too, and they were all so different. And she was a very placid and she's a very sweet baby. And my niece, she was a colicky baby, and she would scream and scream and scream for a long time. And my nephew was a terrible boy. He just... Yeah, he was hard to be around. <laughs> so they all were, you know, they all had their own, their own personalities. Yeah, they're all different. Yeah,
0: they come in with karma. So their personality is not fixed. A personality is just what we designate on a bunch of habits. Okay. But because they're, they're a bunch of habits, they, and, and conditioning, they can be changed. And so, uh, you know, that's what uh, education does for us. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, when parents are raising children, what they're doing is helping them create good habits or counteract bad habits. Okay. So it. So what we're training here by doing the, this kind of looking at what is the person, then it, it's really... Uh, changing our outlook on what people are and why they do the things they do, and thus, what is a proper way to respond to them? Okay, so, for example, um, have you ever been with somebody who is out of control? They're so angry they're out of control. Or they're a little kid. Have you ever been with a little kid who's having a temper tantrum? Yeah? Yeah. Can that kid independently control what's going on? No, they're completely pushed by their ignorance and their anger and their discontent and everything going into that mental state. Are they in control? No. Okay. So they are under the control of their afflictions, of their conditions. Yeah, when when they, uh, one of the things we try and teach kids is how to control uh, at least the expression of their emotions. But is there an independent eye controlling that? Okay. I mean, there's an interesting verse here. Uh, after you do all this... Uh, you know, verse 31, Hence, everything is governed by other factors, which in turn are governed by other factors. And in this way, nothing governs itself. Having un- understood this, I should not become angry with phenomena, which are like apparitions. Yeah? Apparitions are just appearances. Yeah? Yeah? When you're in Disneyland, and, and at least in the old days when you got off the Matterhorn, I'm sure they've changed it now. But, you know, in the old days when you got off the Matterhorn ride and you were coming out of the Matterhorn and you looked in front of you and there was a mirror and you're sitting next to a ghost. Yeah, do you remember that? There's a ghost sitting next to you. Was Some, that haunted house? That was haunted house. That was, yeah, and, and that's at Disneyland. Yes, but that's not the oh, it's, yeah, sorry. Matterhorn, you come out screaming. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <not getting> <laughs> screaming and throwing up. And you call that fun. Isn't that fun? Let's go scream. <laughs> yeah. Amazing what we call fun. Yeah, it's the haunted house. Yeah. And, but that ghost, you know, can, does, can that ghost control everything, anything? It's just an apparition. Okay. So likewise, things that appear to us are like apparitions. There's not one unique person in control there. They're controlled by conditions. So then the opponent says, if everything is unreal, like an apparition, then who is there to restrain what anger? It's like, wait, you're telling me to restrain my anger, but there's no person there? Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, the, you know, the, the opponent, or not the opponent, this is us, um, is, is, you know, saying, wait a minute. Okay, my ma- anger may be controlling me at this moment, but there's a real me that is going to be victorious over the anger. Okay. Okay. And, and so, uh, Santideva responds, it would not be appropriate. Okay. To, to say, oh, because, uh, you know, the, the, the baby me is saying, surely in this case, restraint would be inappropriate or impossible because there's no me to restrain that anger. Yeah. And Shantideva says, no, it would not be inappropriate because conventionally I must maintain that independence upon restraining anger, the stream of, of dukkha is severed. Okay, so there's no I, big I, that you know, raises up and says i'm the hero i'm going to slay the anger yeah we feel like that sometimes you know there's no i like that okay but there is an i but not an i like that okay because that kind of i that's in independent Something that is independent cannot be influenced by anything else. So if you have an independent person that is angry, then that independent person is always going to be angry because it can never be influenced by any other factor to stop the anger. It's permanent. It's independent. So it's always going to be angry. Okay, are you always angry? No. Okay, why? Because there's different conditions that arise, Yeah, such that the anger goes down and a different mental state arises. Okay, so we're conditioned phenomena. Okay, So even though there's no findable person and no findable anger, Still, we can say, I subdued my anger. You're looking at me like, you're crazy. But think about it. If there is an independent person, can it do anything? Really think about what an independent person would be like. What a permanent person would be like. Really think about what it would be like. Yeah, if it's permanent, it means it doesn't change moment by moment. Okay, if it's independent, it's not going to be influenced by other factors. In fact, you know, when we talk about a soul, independent means that it's just independent of the aggregates altogether. Body and mind are here; soul is here. Okay, is that reasonable? So it's it's really interesting. Don't just recite the words, but bring up, you know, what this thing would look like and what it would behave like, and then ask yourself, is it possible for something like that to exist? Okay. Are you different now than you were when the class started? Yeah. Do you feel different? More confused, maybe? (laughs) Okay? If you were permanent, or if your mind were permanent, or if anything were permanent, if my words were permanent, yeah, could anything about you change so that you're different now? If my words were permanent, you would have an endless cycle I don't know which word you would have an endless cycle of, but some word, you know, ah, na nah, na na, nah. And it wouldn't bother you at all because your mind would be permanent <laughs> in that same mental state, listening to that same voice drone on and on, repeating itself. Nothing would change because nothing could influence anything else. It's making more sense now. Yeah. So when you're upset, why do you seek your comfort food? Yeah. What's your comfort food? Huh? What's your comfort food? What? A A cup of tea. Milo. Oh, yes. Milo. What? Chocolate. Chocolate. Hmm? Sugar. Sugar. Butter. Butter. <laughs> some people are salt people. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we go for refuge to when we're upset? Usually some kind of comfort food. You know, Or it it could be some other object, too, but comfort food is, you know, it's up there. Okay. Now, why do you go for comfort food when you're upset? If you're independent and the food is independent, how would eating that food affect you? It couldn't. In fact, if you put it in your mouth, you couldn't even chew it. Or swallow it if it's tea, because it's permanent and it doesn't change. Or even if you swallowed it, you'd have that whole cup of tea in your tum-tum. Or that whole big bar of chocolate all in one piece in your stomach. Because it didn't change. Okay. Okay. Think about it. Yeah. We see things as fixed like that, but if they actually were, could anything function in this world? Impossible. Okay? So that idea of holding on to a permanent, independent person, or anything that's permanent and independent, is, is just fallacy. Yeah? It's false news, fake news, conspiracy theories. What's the difference between fake news and conspiracy theories? Yeah? I don't know. There must be some difference beside the spelling. But anyway. <laughs> fake
1: news can just be alternative facts. <laughs> <laughs> conspiracy theories have a bigger story.
0: Yeah, but there are all, all alternative facts too. Yeah, none of it actually happened. Whether it's fake news or a conspiracy theory,
1: intention that fake news can be also out of ignorance and um, conspiracy more intentional.
0: You think so? I think fake news is quite intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We all think we know what fake news is, but we can't agree on a definition. (laughs) Interesting, isn't it? Okay, let's go on. We'll leave the (laughs) Samkhaz with their permanent self. (laughs) Okay. So verse 33, So when one sees an enemy or even a friend, committing an improper action. By thinking that such things arise from conditions, I shall remain in a happy frame of mind. Okay? So we get unhappy when we see somebody acting inappropriately because we think they have quite an independent intention that they thought of by themselves to harm. Okay. But actually, what's going on is they are being pushed by their past habits, by, you know, various mental states and mental factors coming together. Okay. So everything that's going on depends on conditions. It's, it's like how... how uh, yeah. Do you ever do things and, and think, why am I doing this? And then you think, oh, I was taught this as a child. Yeah. I mean, why do people go to therapy? So often you want to undo previous conditioning that you gained as a child. Yeah. So that already is saying, yes, I am just a product of conditioning. And I am not any of those conditions, because if I were, if I were inherently union one with any one of those conditions, and I was permanent and it was permanent, then none of it could be changed. Okay. So then you're paying all this money for therapy without really believing anything's going to happen. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So instead of blaming your parents or your teacher or society or whoever it is, you know, it just, realize, it's just previous conditioning. That's all. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. It's just previous conditioning. And our responses are just habits. Yeah? a habit is not one solid thing we think of things we you know can you see or touch a habit can you identify a habit independent of anything else you know a habit is just a name that we give a bunch of different behaviors that have a little bit in common. That's all a habit is. None of those behaviors are exactly alike. They're different, but they have a little bit in common. So we call that a habit. But then when we think our habit is inherently existent, then it becomes like hard, like this, you know, and changing my habit is like bending this. You know? <laughs> but all it is is a name that we gave to a bunch of similar but different events or behaviors. Okay. So when you think like that, it loosens things up in your mind. Yeah. So I, I find that very help, helpful, you know, when your mind gets tight and your mind is like, Oh, I'm like this and I can't stand myself. Oh, you know, it's just maybe some behavior That exists by being merely designated independence on different behaviors that have some similar quality. That's it. And none of it is you. Okay. So if you train yourself to think like this, your mind becomes so much more relaxed. Yeah? Yeah? Whereas when we want to put everything in boxes, then we we get really tight. Okay, so all the craziness that's going on in Washington right now, yeah, it's all just dependent on conditions. So many conditions. You know, not just the people in Washington, but the voters and the history of the country and the beliefs people hold and the weather and, you know, whether you you have fires in your area or floods in your area. I mean, there's so many conditions, yeah, that are affecting what's happening. And we can't just label one of them and we can't just label one person. It's so tempting. we want to pin everything on one person. <laughs> okay. So 34. If things were brought into uh, if things were brought into being by choice, then since no one wishes to suffer, suffering would not occur to any embodied creature. So if we were an independent person who had control over our mind, who could choose without anything else influencing our choice, would we choose to suffer? No. So if we are independent people and can choose anything without being influenced by any other factors, why then are we suffering? It wouldn't make any sense, would it? We should be able to control the suffering and not put ourselves in situations that make us miserable. And not even this life, but also, you know, the karma we created in previous lives. I mean, do you think living beings are rational and, have, and make rational choices? When you look around in the world... Yeah, when you look in your own life. Okay. Remember being a teenager. Okay. Yeah. Were you rational then? Yeah. I w- I thought I was almost an, I mean when you're a teenager, you think you know everything. So I thought every everything I thought was rational because I'm all the most enlightened. I know everything. And then I have to deal with my dumb parents. <laughs> but from this perspective, did I, was I rational in some of the choices I made as a teenager, or as a young adult? Yeah. Who did stupid things? <laughs> yeah. We should tell some of our stupid things some days. Did you do stupid things that you could have, that could have been very physically dangerous to you? Yeah? Things that your parents told you never to do, and you did them anyway? Of course. Otherwise, what's the fun? (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) So, yeah. Did you at that time think you were being... Completely making a rational, informed decision that you yourself made, independent of anybody else. Yeah. What? That was the point. Yes, that was the point. I'm independent. That's why, whatever my parents say, I'm going to do the opposite because I don't exist in relationship to them. <laughs> Which is why my intention is to do the opposite. Yeah. They don't influence me at all. (laughs) Yeah. So you see, when there's a rebellious mind, we are very much hooked by what or who we are rebelling against. Yeah. Which means we're influenced by it. But we feel like we're independent of it. Okay. So when you really look at the quote quote logic in your mind, how much of it is really reasonable? Yeah. We come up with all sorts of reasons for what we do. But how much of it is reasonable in the sense that it's going to It's going to bring about the well-being of myself and others. Okay. So if things were brought into being by choice, then since no one wishes to suffer, suffering would not occur to any embodied being. Did you suffer by some of the choices you made? 35, through not being careful, people even harm themselves with thorns and other things. And for the sake of obtaining women and the like, they become obsessed and deprive themselves of food. Okay, so through not being careful, not making reasonable, rational decisions, okay, so people even harm themselves with thorns. I think this is uh, referring to some of the ascetic practices that people did in ancient India. You know, not just harm yourself by thorns, but sitting in the middle of fire. Yeah. Uh, Jumping on tridents. The idea being that if you jumped on a trident and the middle spoke came out your head, you had attained liberation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So people harm themselves with in 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 an attempt to be happy. We often do really stupid things that harm ourselves. We should have a sharing session about some of these things. Not not, you know, I'm not trying to embarrass people, but because I think now by talking about it, we could laugh at them. Yeah, because some of what we did, I don't know about you, but some of what I did was pretty funny in retrospect, even though it was extremely dangerous, and I was very fortunate that I didn't get harmed in it. Yeah, but to look back at it now, it's like, duh... What in the world was I thinking? Okay. And for the sake of obtaining women or men or cats or dogs or whatever it is you are craving, yeah, people become obsessed and deprive themselves of food. Okay. So there must have been some ancient Indian practice where You have to, you fast in order to find a mate or something, yeah?
1: This brings to mind um, anorexia. Anorexia and bulimia and how that mm, is so rampant with this uh, excessive emphasis on physical beauty and having to have certain weight, certain look, and so, you know. Yeah. Yeah they harm themselves people yeah. for that reason yeah
0: and when they're doing it they don't think they, they're harming themselves they think i'm helping myself by making my myself more attractive and i'll be happier this way and yet you know especially with anorexia you could die yeah and bulimia certainly doesn't bring good goodness yeah so we do lots of things i mean this this whole bit with motorcycle people who they really don't want to wear helmets yeah and i want to ride my my bike and you know let feel the wind and feel the freedom from it and i don't like these rules about having to wear a helmet and yet, what happens when they go without helmets and they get in an accident? Okay, so for a little bit of fun—my goodness, I'm talking like my mother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's happening?
0: Get me out of here. You know, for a little bit of happiness, we endanger our lives. Yeah. Okay, Mom, yeah. You you were right sometimes, not all the time. Not all
1: the time, sometimes. Yeah. Vane, uh, before COVID, one of our younger guests was here explaining that in some high schools in some parts of this country... It's very trendy now for young kids to go for plastic surgery. So they get a nose job, they Mm. do some slight tweaking of their appearance Mm. or something, and then, you know, that just can't stop, you know? It'll just continue for the rest of their lives, and how tragic that is. Yeah. Yeah. Also,
0: the spread of STDs, you know? People wanting happiness, and they wind up with an STD instead. So, there's so many examples of this. Okay? So, and uh, verse 36, And there are some who injure themselves through the unmeritorious deeds of hanging themselves, leaping from cliffs, eating poison and unhealthy food. Okay? So, again, there must have been some uh, kind of spiritual practice, you know, if you can do the, if you survive these things, it means you have realizations. But also just on an ordinary level, yeah, why do people commit suicide? They're trying to be happy. Yeah, it's an effort to be happy. And It deprives them of their life, okay? Leaping from cliffs. You know, all this space tourism, yeah? It's an attempt to be happy, isn't it? You can't be happy on Earth. So let's sit squashed together with a bunch of other people and wear these funny confining clothes and look out a window Huh? And pay how many thousands of dollars or millions of dollars? I don't even know I didn't look at the ticket price. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. So yeah, so if you want to lose weight, <laughs> yeah, if you don't like your body because you're too heavy, you know, go go up there and be weightless. Yeah. I mean, look at what we do. Leaping from cliffs. Yeah. I'm going to say parasailing, and then somebody's going to go, don't criticize my sport, it's fun. Well, how about uh, walking across Niagara Falls on a wire or walking across uh, big uh, skyscrapers in a city on a wire? People do that to be happy. Two hundred and
1: fifty.
0: Yeah, that's going right. And <laughs> yeah, we can bargain them down. Yeah, we're monastics; they should give us. Yeah, they should give us a deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll pray for them while we're up there. <laughs> okay, I, um, eating poison. We people eat poison. To be happy. And unhealthy food, oh my goodness, all of us are doing that, aren't we? Yeah, it's very, it's actually very difficult to have healthy food now. Yeah? Because, you know, if, if you're in a hurry and you just want something quick and the food, you know, forget going to Jack in the Box, even at the grocery store, so much is, is processed. Okay, so we do so many things in an attempt to be happy and we create a lot of negative karma in the process and we often injure ourselves in the process but the intention is to be happy. So if there were a real independent person who was completely rational and in control it could you know, make these choices such that we didn't get injured and, yeah, we wound up happy from these choices. But the person who makes the choices, you know, the, the who makes the choices? Yeah? Is it a rational person or is it just a bunch of different conditions coming together? If, when under the influence of disturbing conceptions, people will even kill their treasured selves, how can they be expected not to cause harm to the bodies of other living beings? Okay, so when we are angry because somebody is harming our body and they have no right to harm my body, think about it. You know, people when they're under the influence of afflictions, they will kill even themselves. And the self, it, you know, this body is, you know, our quote quote self, our, you know, whatever we consider the self, is what's ever most important to us. And yet we will even kill it under the influence of disturbing conceptions. So if we will even harm self through thorns and depriving ourselves of food and inappropriate sex and hanging themselves, leaping off of cliffs, eating poison and unhealthy food, all in the attempt to be happy for ourselves. Yeah. How can we, and we, and under the influence of our afflictions, we even harm ourselves in an attempt to be happy. Is it any wonder that other people harm other people? Why are we so pr- surprised? Yeah? Because they're completely under... I mean, this is the power of the afflictions, that the afflictions will make us even harm what is most treasured to ourself, so then, what is going to prevent us from harming the bodies of others? Yeah. And how often do, do we have, for women, you know, one of the, uh, when, they're, when they're murdered, who is most likely to murder them? Not somebody hiding in the bushes, but a partner. Yeah? Somebody they know, who they trust. Yeah? So if that person, the murderer, you know, has, I mean, especially in domestic uh, uh, disputes or love relationships, romantic relationships, yeah, how many times do we see people kill their partner and then kill themselves? Whereas the day before, that partner was the source of their happiness, and they love that person, and then flip. Yeah, and we read about these situations in the news a lot. So you know, people will even harm not only the person they love the most, but harm themselves, yeah, under the afflictions of under the power of the afflictions. So is it any wonder that they would harm us? Or that they do other stupid things? Yeah. So what's why do we get mad at them? Yeah. If you have a child who is out of control? Do you expect them to behave rationally? No. Yeah. When you have a kicking, screaming kid, you've been around kicking, screaming kids? <sighs> yeah. It's a scene. And that's just the way people are when they're under the power of afflictions. Mm. So, is it any wonder that these things happen? No. So 38, even if I cannot develop compassion for all such people who through the arising of disturbing conceptions and afflictions set out to try and kill me, and so forth, the last thing I should do is to become angry with them. So even if I can't have compassion for them, for being under the control of afflictions, even if they're trying to kill me, at least I should not be angry with them, even if I can't have compassion. Okay because they're totally under the control of their afflictions. So when we get angry at somebody, yeah, who didn't do the things the way we want them done, who's the foolish person? the person who did things the way we don't want them done, or us who gets angry at somebody who's totally under the control of afflictions and karma? Yeah? Who's the person who is not seeing things realistically? Yeah? It's not just them, it's us too. Isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what the latest vocabulary is, but I remember some years ago it it was toxic. Is toxic still the big word now? Yeah. That person is toxic. Usually it refers to a family member or somebody you love. Okay. Yeah. That person is toxic as if they had Clorox bubbling out of their mouths. Yeah? As if they have, you know, some kind of, I don't know, toxic substance from one of the, you know, from one of the nuclear pits that our government so kindly makes and doesn't take care of. And they had all this radioactive energy pouring out. They are toxic. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with me. Nothing. Yeah, they keep throwing out, they, their behavior just, you know, drives me crazy. Yeah. And what? You didn't contribute at all to the situation? Okay. If somebody, if, a, if, I used this the other day in the, in the interview, somebody, or in some talk I was giving, it, if somebody, a fisherman throws out a line, that's the fisherman's responsibility, right? If the fish bites the hook, is that the fisherman's responsibility? No, it's the fish who who bit the hook. Okay. When people do things that we that we that drive us nuts and that we react to in ways that are horrible and we're unhappy. Okay. The other person is throwing out the hook. We're biting the hook. Yeah we? Aren't we? We do have a choice to not bite the hook. And we don't have to hate the other person when we stop ourselves from biting the hook. Yeah. We don't need to blame them for throwing out the hook. Okay. So why, why do we become angry at other people when somehow our mind has bitten the hook? <laughs> so w- everything we're studying here in this whole chapter uh, is an antidote to biting the hook. Okay? So if you don't want to bite the hook... Don't blame the person who throws out the hook because you can't control them. Study this chapter. Think of times when you've bitten the hook and back up the movie to before you've bitten it, when your mind's starting to go out of control. Or after you've bitten it and your mind is going out of control. And practice one of these ways of looking at the situation until you can really see in your heart that what was going on in your own mind wasn't making much sense. Yeah. Now, our mind will come up with many reasons why it is the other person's fault. Our mind will come up with many, (coughs) many, many, many reasons. And in our Dharma practice, we have to keep shooting them down, not just saying, no, 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 but take each one out and look at it and say, is this true? Yeah, is this true? Well, they put me down so I had no choice but to become defensive and stick up for myself. And get angry at them because they're always putting me down. So we don't even see our defensiveness and our anger as a choice. That's how conditioned we are. That the anger arises, the defensiveness arises, as if that's the only possible way we could respond when somebody acts that way. Yeah. So actually, we do believe in conditioning, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I'm conditioned by, by my, by, it's not my afflictions, it's my reasoning that's conditioning me to get mad at this person because they always put me down. What's my reasoning? Why do I have to get mad at them and defend myself? Because if I don't, then my reputation is ruined. And if my reputation is ruined, then I am nothing. So you follow, you look at your whole thing of reasoning, all this faulty reasoning we use, and you go through one step at a time, and you say, is that so? Yeah, is that true? I'm done for when my reputation is ruined. I am nothing. I am worthless. Is that true? You say, no. But as soon as somebody says, you idiot, then you say, yes. <laughs> my life is ruined. I really am nothing. Nothing. Because somebody called me an idiot. But then you tell your children, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt me. So don't get mad at somebody when they call you a name. You say to your children. But what do you do when somebody calls you a name? (laughs) Okay. Questions, comments? We
1: have a couple of minutes. Just the start of a thought, so... (laughs) Okay. But for much of your talk, I've been thinking about the prison system that exists in many countries and how it's a horror story. Mm. And, you know, these people in prison, many of them, well, first of all, many of them are not... They shouldn't be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Or they had this moment of, you know, being pushed by their afflictions. Or the other categories, people who are seriously mentally ill. Mm. And prisons in the world don't serve any of those groups of people and it's a horror story
0: yep by the way read the book in our library um, The Master Plan by Chris Wilson yeah quite good are you done with it? yeah it's back in there Okay, so let's dedicate.